all. Anyway, I'm Dana. I'm Kristen. This is Darker Side of Life. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. I don't know what story you have. I'm trying you to don't. figure out what Bafa means. Bafa? Because I slugged this story when we were recording. <laughs> B-O-F-A. So it looks like Bank of America, but I'm not going to tell a story about Bank of America today. Um, Although banks are indirectly involved later on. Slugging is a very journalist, <laughs> a journalistic term. It means title. It's how we named it. It's how label. we named the file. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, our journalism is showing. <laughs> I do that a lot sometimes at work. And I'll just like come up with some like word or term that we've used. And people look at me like I'm crazy. Like, what did you say? You need a reefer for something? And I'm like, <laughs> like, like a reefer for, oh, never mind. I'm I like, I'm not smoking pot at work or anything. <laughs> oh, everyone at work just looks at me like that on a normal basis. <laughs> they look at you like you're strange. Every day. Uh, my story may be a little long, so I should just get right into it. Yes, please. If you want. It's not really like paranormal or like creepy-esque like it has been. I'm not going to say it's lighthearted by any means, but <laughs> it's more of like a heist story. And I love a good heist. Heist? A heist, yeah. Heist. Okay. Like I love okay, how so people... Okay, so I can see banks. Yeah, see, banks are indirectly evolved or whatever. And the story takes place in the fa- my most favorite place that I've never been to. And I want to go so bad. And you have no idea what it's going to be, but they're coming out of Alcatraz. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So, oh gosh, I wanted to live here so much. And my boyfriend, Ryan, lived in San Francisco for a few years when he was younger and he never went to Alcatraz. And that's the I've one thing that from he wishes a distance. he would have went. Have you really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We went to San Francisco, I think I was seventh grade, where my parents were really good about taking us on vacations every summer, at least yeah. somewhere. And there was one year where they asked me, they were like, where do you want to go? And I said, I want to go to California. I want to go to San Francisco. So that's where we went. Oh, nice. It was pretty I would fun. love to go there now. Now that I'm living like toward the West Coast, I need to make a, find a way to make a trip up there. Do it. Solo trip. Oh my God. And I'm so going to go see Alcatraz. I cannot wait. I would love to see it. So the first story, they're kind of like two stories rolled up into one episode. And the first part takes place in May of 1946. And this was known as the biggest and baddest escape attempt of the whole 29-year history of this prison so far. (laughs) And it was started by a man named Bernard Coy, who was a bank robber from Kentucky. So, again, banks. There's where the banks are. They come in. Yeah, we're proud of our heritage for bank robbers (laughs) that try to bust out of Alcatraz. So he was really, really smart this guy was he was really shrewd and he thought things through like a lot he was like a planner he was very meticulous and that sort of things so while he's in Alcatraz he would watch all the guards and he would memorize their routines he would observe all the places and rooms and locks and like things about him he needs to know so if you know there's a shift change at a certain time and maybe this door is unmanned he's going to know what time of day that door is unmanned who is going to come next who has keys to what who unlocks what door and ba- he commits all this stuff to memory, basically. Sounds like Bundy. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Bundy did that, too. He knew the gun gallery where in the prison was protected by these big metal bars, but it had no other barriers to it. And he knew when the officers and the other inmates would move around the main cell block. So he knew exactly when that gun gallery was going to be unobserved by anybody. And he made plans, too, with a bunch of like six no five other inmates i think so they kind of had this like group um group project going on 
And Bernard Coy is the one that does all the work, apparently. <laughs> That's always how group projects work. Yeah. So, I mean, this is really, if you have like six people and they're all kind of like watching one little part of the prison and observing all this stuff. And he took his time, too. And he took good notes. So you're going to come up with probably an elaborate, like a pretty elaborate plan. So on May 2nd, 1946, uh, Bernard Coy was sweeping the floor and another inmate called an officer in to let him back into a cell because he was done with his work that he was doing. And so while the officer was patting down the other inmate to look for stolen articles or anything like that to make sure that he wasn't taking anything back into a cell that he wasn't supposed to, Coy and the other inmate attacked the guard from behind, took his keys and because he was the only guard around at the time, they freed a bunch of other, a uh, bunch of the other inmates that are there in his cell block, and especially the ones that he made this plan with. <laughs> so now they unlock all of their friends, and they get to the gun gallery, which is elevated a little bit from the cell block. But Coy climbed up there and used a bar spreader that he had made with like tools and nuts and bolts and things that he had collected like around the prison and just kind of like taken one by one. <laughs> Like, he's making this stuff in prison. Industrious. Pretty much. So he builds this bar spreader. And before he had starved himself and didn't eat a lot so he can lose some weight and be skinny enough to, like, squeeze through the bars when he got them big enough for him to fit through. My God. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of smart thinking. Me, I'd want to eat. Sorry. So he wiggles in there and he gets into the fucking gun gallery. So now you have an inmate in Alcatraz. He's like the gun. It's like the Holy Grail. Yeah. So he I like takes, how you did the little wiggle though. You just did the little. Did I do wiggle. the wiggle when he was wiggling he in the? <laughs> he's wiggling in the bars. Not me. I ate a whole big thing of popcorn at the movies yesterday and stuff, and my stomach felt bad last night me too. Then I ate a whole to... bag of popcorn here. <laughs> I had one of those large buckets, and then I got my free refill on the large because hell yeah, I'm going to take it home after I pay a lot for it. <laughs> And so now it's just sitting there on my counter waiting for my popcorn and cheese because I got macaroni and cheese yesterday, so I can put the powder on it. <laughs> so sad. It's the little things. It is. So Coy gets in the gun gallery. He takes guns, grenade, pistols, clubs, batons, keys, whatever he wanted. And he's like throwing them down to all these prisoners below. So picture this guy, like very Santa Claus, like at a parade or something. He's just like, and you get a gun, and you get a gun, and you get a gun. Or I was going to say, or like Oprah. Like Oprah. <laughs> you get a grenade. You get a grenade. You get you a Billy Club. You get the, the, yeah, whatever. I couldn't even think of anything past the club. So, yeah, so instead of throwing candy at a parade, he's throwing weapons to <laughs> prison inmates. And so now he meanders over to D-Block. Like, he's walking around the prison now. They free up more people because he's basically now, like, doing his thing. He goes back to the main cell house, and he takes another set of keys off of another guard. Like, they have a ton of guards held hostage at this point. Because, I mean, they're outnumbered. I mean, there's a couple guards, and, like, how many inmates now are free? And their plan is to unlock the cell house door and go outside and leave on a boat that was at the end of the dock. Because remember, Alcatraz is on an island, if you're not mm-hmm. familiar with it at all. And the one guard that had the key on him wasn't supposed to have it. Ooh. So, rut row. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah, the one guard with that one key that they needed. But... Before they got their hands on this key, they had to try a bunch of other keys in the lock to see if um, any of them were to open that door because they weren't sure exactly which key was going to unlock which door. So when they built Alcatraz, though, as a prison, they put in some fail safes that inmates didn't know about. And one of them was on the lock mechanisms on doors, kind of like an iPad or iPhone is today, where if you try so many attempts, it locks you out of it. Mm Mm-hmm. 
where some of the doors, if you have too many incorrect like attempts at putting the wrong key in it, like the lock mechanism would shut down somehow oh, smart. and you can't get that door open. So because they had tried it, like tried so many other keys before, by the time they did get the right key, the, the door still wouldn't open because the lock had shut down. That's and I don't smart. know what kind of special procedure you need to like to do this or even how it works mechanically, but that's basically what happened. So they could not get that door open. And now you need a special key to open it because it's like the master key. I guess maybe the warden has it or somebody to, yeah. to get it unlocked finally. But none of the guards that they had have that key, obviously. Yeah. So now everybody's trapped in the main cell house, basically. Like all these freed inmates, these With guards grenades that are and yeah being held hostage gloves. and all these weapons and they can't get out so their plan this is like the biggest thing that foiled their plan so they're trapped in the cell house but they're loose so they're not in their cells some of the inmates at this point though go back into their cells and like lock them back up <laughs> forget about it well they know that if they get caught in this it like the consequences are going to be bad and a lot of other inmates are like i want no part of this yeah. at all so i'm not gonna like i just want to sit here i want to do my time i want to get out when i'm supposed to get out yeah i was gonna say now that yeah. they know that we're probably gonna get caught i don't want anything added to my sentence so oh yeah stealing whatever. weapons from a prison and keeping guards hostage yeah. and stuff no 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 yeah so at this point koi figures he won't be taken alive <laughs> he <laughs> I mean, is he is done so he orders his accomplices to go in this holding cell where they were holding all the guards and to kill them all because he didn't want to leave any witnesses and he didn't want to be like caught and prosecuted so he didn't want anybody to to like basically be alive to rat him out which if i was one of his like mates doing this with them i'd be like oh, wait what like are you yeah. gonna off me next because yeah, really? i like, saw you do me? it right like are you gonna get out and then just turn the guns on us because mm -hmm. i don't think i would trust him at this point so he uh sends one of his accomplishment ac accomplishments <laughs> accomplishments <laughs> not to be confused what? with accomplishments <laughs> buddies he says one of his buddies <laughs> the word you're talk. looking for is accomplices thank you he sends one I of think, them in yes that is it <laughs> he sends one of them in to you know kill all the guards or whatnot and he piles all the guards in the same cell and he opens fire with one of these guns uh -oh. then he sends one of his people who is a 19 year old named clarence carnes and he was the youngest person to ever be incarcerated at alcatraz He's 19. He sent him in there to go check on the guards and make sure they're all dead. So now shit's hit the fan, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, after it didn't before. But people know about it now because somebody called the warden. They had to put the siren on, you know, on the island, like, rear, 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 like something's <laughs> happening and call like for reinforcements. So that siren that goes off on the island means something's going down like something bad is happening in alcatraz and it's on an island and it's pretty loud so on san francisco bay like on the other side they can hear it so everybody that's just like meandering around that part of san francisco now I, i'm not familiar with the geography but maybe you're at golden gate park at the golden gate bridge or something like you could probably hear this siren like all over san francisco yeah if i remember like i remember being just like on the water like it's not like yeah, like you're just kind of like in town or whatever, yeah. and you can see Alcatraz out there. Yeah, yeah. So I I bet that's pretty unnerving. And they're like, "Holy crap, what happened out there?" You know, like 
Like, what in the world's going on? So the well, warden I've been gets... getting my, like, folding chair and sitting down and being like, all right, we're going to watch this. <laughs> You're going to get, like, some popcorn and a little oh, umbrella popcorn, for shade. Like, some right, binoculars. Let's, let's see what's happening. You know, I'd probably do the same, honestly, if it was something yeah. like that. Heck, yeah, I'm going to watch it. So the warden gets reinforcements now. Um, he's got the San Francisco Police Department. He's got state police. He's got off-duty prison guards. The Army, the Navy, the Coast Guard, and the Marines. Jeez. Everybody sent units to Alcatraz. Can you imagine? Like, like Marines rolling up. And Against a handful Navy of around. prisoners. There's maybe um, 15 yeah, of them total. Six that were the masterminds. I'm not going to be messing with them. They got a hold of all the guns. But you they have to throw a grenade at your ship. You have every branch of the armed forces coming after them. That's crazy. So a team of officers tries to go in and rescue the hostages and they're fired on, again, the prison guards that they fired on because they don't know that they've been gunned down yet. So they're fired on by a lot of the inmates and one of the officers was shot and killed. Mm. And it's really hard for the police to gain a good position against them because the inmates are like elevated in this gun gallery and the cell block and the way everything is. They basically have the higher ground. So, I mean, if you're going to have a battle position, higher ground the good place to have because they can see all of the entry points to the cell house that they're in so they don't know how they're going to go in well so now it's nighttime and this thing has been going on for a while and the warden cut all the electricity to the island so now alcatraz is completely dark and it's Ooh. at nighttime too and he's ready to send in the marines he's like we're screw this like we need to we need to get this over with so during the night, they send in the Marines to rescue these hostages. And since they're Marines, you know, it's what they do. Mm -hmm. They sneak in through the D block downstairs and they like creep their way up into the cell house. And then they find the cell with all of the officers in it that the guy ordered them to gun down. But every single one of them is still alive. Really? Because they all were shot, but they played dead. And when Clarence Barnes or Clarence Carnes went to go check on them, he saw that they were like breathing a little bit. And like moving or what that they weren't dead, like nobody was like mortally wounded. He went back and lied and he said, Yeah, they're all dead. Clarence. I know. They played dead for more than 10 hours, like while all this was going on. They just laid there where like after the guy came in with the gun. And did they him. have like did they have like bulletproof vests or something on? Like to I don't know if a prison guard would, just because you don't think an inmate would get a hold of a gun that easily in prison. I totally would. Well, some prison guards, I don't think prison guards are allowed to carry weapons. I could be wrong, but I've heard that in some places they're not, because that way if an inmate does overpower you, he can't get your gun. He can't get your gun. Yeah, that makes sense. I just wonder so how So I didn't think prison alive. guards, yeah, were allowed to carry weapons. And unless there was a riot or something, then they'll get them, but mm -hmm. yeah. Well, yeah, then they have access to the armory i was just yeah. curious how they all stayed alive for that long if maybe they had protective gear on somebody's probably a really bad shot too i know so but anyway our boy clarence he lied so he was like i'm gonna spare him a little bit and like, yeah they're dead so he goes and tells the boy not to worry about him so one of the guards like writes the name like he's kind of like picking and choosing like when there's nobody around he's writing the names of everybody involved <laughs> on the wall and that way should any like everybody there die or something they know who did it you yeah. know smart yeah and he circled koi's name as the ringleader like drew a bunch of arrows to it like this guy <laughs> this right here one, this he's one. the ringleader so in case yeah in case he did die they could have some evidence now what the marines would do and would drill holes in the ceiling and just drop grenades inside of them 
which I think is pretty smart. Sweet. And they did it in such a way where they could corner the inmates in certain, like a certain area of the prison. So they try to do this now. And then one of the inmates calls the guard or calls the warden and he wants to negotiate. Cause they're, I mean, they're basically losing. The warden basically says, fuck you. I'm just want your, like, I'm not taking your surrender. Like I'm only doing it. Coy hangs up the phone. Cause again, he's not going to be taken alive. So he's not yeah. going to, he's not going to surrender at all. So right now the sun's coming up. Shit's going down. The Marines are like bombing this place. They start bombing, shooting, like dropping the grenades through the ceiling. And it's nonstop. Like it's just a complete barrage of artillery to like get all these people. And you can hear it from the city, too. So now it's almost like a downright siege. Like, it's almost that, like a war going yeah. on. So officers would occasionally try to go inside certain corridors and just, like, fire down. Just, like, brrr, like just completely Take them out. fill it with, like, gunfire. Yeah, it's like we're going. Oh, by the way, the officers that the Marines got, obviously, they're, they've been rescued. Yeah, they, just they snuck in and got them out. They're not, like, like being fired on <laughs> by the Marines. So all those all those guys are good. So now it's about 9.40 in the morning or so on May 4th. Two days later, like two full days this was going on. And things have calmed down enough to where officers felt confident to go inside of the cell house. And they go into the corridor where they trapped Coy and his partners and their bodies were laying there dead. So they got them. So there were six people total involved in this incident. There was Coy and two of his partners died when they tried to go toe-to-toe with the Marines because good luck with that. <laughs> um, two of them that survived got death sentences and were executed at San Quentin at a later date. And Clarence Carnes, the 19-year-old that went and checked on the guards, mm-hmm. he got another life sentence because the oh. judge told him because he had mercy on the guards when he went to check on them and he didn't like call for their execution that he was going to have mercy on him and spare his life. So oh, he just well. spent like life in prison. Good for Clarence. I know. So this escape attempt was the most violent, notorious one so far to date. And it was so bad. They started calling it the Battle of Alcatraz. Oh, God. (laughs) All from a Kentucky boy. Right? These Kentucky boys are just causing trouble. Yeah. So that's the first part of the story. Okay. The second one is a story that I absolutely love. And this is the 1962 jailbreak. And I don't know if you've heard of this one or not. Is this that Alcatraz 2? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, this The movie Great Escape with Clint Eastwood in it. I yeah, think I've it came out in the 70s or 80s. Maybe late 70s, early 80s, something. It's got, this is about, yeah, this is about this jailbreak. So this is the one that I think most people think about when they hear about jailbreaks from Alcatraz. Because this is the only one that's successful in air quotes. Okay. I mean, keep the air quotes in mind because it depends on who you ask, basically. And it uh, it was orchestrated by John and Clarence Anglin, who were brothers, and then Frank, a guy named Frank Morris. And Frank Morris had already escaped prison once in Louisiana, and the Anglin brothers tried to escape in Atlanta, but they failed. Like th- these people are always like getting in and out of prisons. <laughs> and that's why a lot of the people that were sent to Alcatraz then were there for like escapes and stuff because they couldn't be held anywhere else. And Alcatraz right. is supposed to be unescapable. So right. let's just put you over here on this island. And Frank got arrested again and sent to Alcatraz. And he I think he was the mastermind behind this one. He was said to have a very high level intelligence and tested in the top two percent of people when he took an IQ test. Why did you not make better life decisions? Come on. You could have been so much more. Like all these people that are super smart and you're in prison. I'm like, you could 
be president or a lawyer or something. You could have so much of a better life. So Frank Morris was like super smart. And the Anglin brothers were both like really good swimmers. And this is going to come into, into play later. They grew up in Georgia, but they would visit Michigan an awful lot like every summer. And they would swim in all the rivers and lakes there, even though when the water was super cold or icy. Because you know the water in San Francisco Bay is super cold. So they're yeah. used to this. You know, they're used to the shock that your body gets in super cold water. And there's another inmate named Alan West who was also part of this escape plan. So right now you have four people that are all planning to get out. And what they did was they took saw blades that Alan stole from utility corridors while he was cleaning. And they took them down and used them with a bunch of other tools and things that they found to make a drill. Like this little makeshift drill. And they found, they got the motor from like a broken vacuum cleaner. And like, this is like some engineering genius. Like, like when Apollo 13, the oxygen tank, do you remember in the movie when the oxygen tank busted and then Gary Sinise and them are like, they have like a roll of duct tape and a couple of nuts and bolts. And they're like, we have to make an air filter out of this. Yeah. This is what yeah. I imagine this is like. I'm like, we have all these parts. We have to make a drill. Yes. <laughs> so this is what they do. They drilled into the ventilation ducts in their cells to make them wider. And the ventilation ducts were on the ground. They weren't in the ceiling. Okay. So it was a little easier for them to, to, I guess, do. And so Frank Morris played an accordion, like as a hobby, and every now and then he had one. So he would play the accordion to make it noisy. <laughs> so they were drilling in all of these air vents to drown it out. So once the holes were done, they could crawl out of them through the back wall of their cells. And behind their cells, there's like this little small utility corridor that was like rarely used. But from there, they could like climb up and get on the roof part above their cells in this little area. This little like flat area, kind of like a loft. And that's when they would make a raft. Like without being seen, they would just take turns going up there and working on this raft. And the raft was made from about 50 or so raincoats that they would just steal over time. Like, oh my over gosh, people need to, like, they're stealing <laughs> all this stuff. Who is watching over all of this Nobody. equipment? <laughs> Nobody. And they plan all this and come up with it like months in advance. They saw an article in Popular Mechanics Magazine on how to do it. <laughs> And, uh, well, the prison had a really good prison library. And actually, some people thought Alcatraz wasn't that bad because they had like 150, no, they had like 15 or 20,000 books in their prison library, magazines and stuff. So as like far as prisons go, I mean, yeah, you're on the island, but if you like to read and stuff, Alcatraz was one you wanted to go to. And again, these guys are really super smart. So mm-hmm. coupled with all that book learning, I'm telling you, book learning, book learning. <laughs> book learning yeah and so they also stole this thing called a concertina which is like some kind of musical instrument to use as a makeshift bellows to inflate the raft so you don't have to blow it up you know those so, things that you go back and forth to like put air on yeah. a fire yeah so yeah. they made one of those too so they could blow up the raft on top of the loft hidden above the prison cells it's pretty i'm pretty impressed right now <laughs> right aren't you i am too yeah. so i sound way too excited about this by the way <laughs> We are not all for breaking out of prison, <laughs> but I mean, it's interesting to talk about. But I love a good heist. Like, I love how people take the time to analyze their situations, how they take just like a little thing here and a little thing there and then create these tools and have this huge master plan. And if they get away with it, it's it's like Mission Impossible almost. I don't think I could do it. I'm not patient enough to be able to plan an escape from a prison. I don't I think I would just sit there and be like, well, I'm just going to read my books now. Oh, God. I'm not patient enough to, like, watch the intro on Netflix. I'm, like, hitting the skip intro button <laughs> no. all the time. Like, geez. You want me to plan a prison escape? 
No. So on June 11th, 1962, now it's time for the actual escape. Like this is D-Day for them. So first they make paper mache heads from paper and soap and paint and stuff from like the art room. So that's pretty (laughs) smart. They've collect like over time they've been stealing human hair from the barber shop like little clippings on the oh floor so they put hair on these paper mache heads <laughs> and they put them all in the bed so it looks like they're sleeping and like the guards wow. can like just peek in or whatever and they see like this little head mm-hmm. head in air quotes with like hair on it and stuff and the guys asleep walk on so that buys them a lot of time mm-hmm so they go out the vent in the back of their cells but minus alan west there were supposed to be four people only three go he uses some cement to kind of fix the concrete that was crumbling too much around his air vent and it made it noticeable that something was off so by the time he was able to cut back through it and get it wind enough for him to go through the others had already left without him oh yeah poor alan so later on and this is how they know a lot about so much about this case because he's the one that told him er- how everything went down hmm. in in return he got like he wasn't punished for his role in it because he cooperated so fully and this is how again this is how we know the details snitches get stitches <laughs> or in leniency in this case or leniency <laughs> so once out of their cells they go through that utility corridor behind them they get the raft that they had stashed in the ceiling and they climb through a ventilation shaft onto the roof but between the shaft and the roof was this huge big fan like in, I think it was in The Rock, that Sean Connery movie, Nicolas Cage, where they have to break into Alcatraz. Or no, they it. have some kind of fire thing. I don't know. Anyway, it's like this huge van, like a, a van. There's a huge van in the roof. <laughs> it's a Dodge or it's a Chevy van. I don't know which one. No, there's a fan in the roof. So they have, they have these big rivets that they have to take down so they can crawl past it and get outside. So one of the guards heard a loud crash that night coming from the area. And since they didn't hear anything else, they just ignored it and just thought it was like just some. They didn't investigate because they didn't think it was anything. And it was oh, them God. like taking the rivets off this van and it crashing down to the bottom of this big duct. So these three men now, Frank and the Anglin brothers, are they like shimmy down a kitchen vent pipe, shimmy, 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 shimmy. <laughs> from the roof to the ground. They hop the two perimeter fences in the area that's sort of like a blind spot from searchlights and towers. And they head toward, they inflate their raft with the little bellows, like really working, taking turns. I wish I could post video of you telling this story because like your hand gesture is animated. It's very animated. (laughs) So they inflate their raft, they get in it, they um, take two paddles that they had made. Paddle, 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 paddle. paddle. (laughs) And they take off, they leave the island, they're headed toward Angel Island, which is about two miles to the north of Alcatraz. So they are off the island now. I kind of want to be happy for them. I mean, I don't know what they did to get stuck in prison, but I'm (laughs) happy for them. So Alan West said the plan was for them to rest on Angel Island for a little bit and swim to the mainland across this waterway called Raccoon Straits. They're going to rob a clothing store, steal a car, and then just everybody's going to go their separate ways. Probably Frank was going to go one way and then the Anglin brothers might have went another way. I imagine they would have stayed together. So he actually made it so far as the roof before standing up there for a few minutes and deciding to go back to bed because he saw that the raft was gone and he's not going to get off the island without it. So he went back to his cell and went back to sleep. So of course they discovered the men are missing the next day, but the inmates had a pretty good head start. And so they start searching the bay and the area around it in the water to see if they can find evidence of where they might be or where the bodies were, because they don't (laughs) think they would have survived this. 
mm-hmm. like at night in the super cold water. And remember, though, the England brothers were known to be really good swimmers and acclimated to cold water, et cetera, et cetera. But they never found any bodies hmm. or their bodies that they think. And the FBI eventually declared the escape attempt as failed and concluded that they all probably died in the process, like somewhere in San Francisco Bay. Keeping Alcatraz's reputation as inescapable. Yep. Yep. And some people say they failed because the plan was to rob a clothing store and steal a car, but no crimes of that nature were like reported to the police or FBI or reported after they escaped the FBI. In the water, they found John Anglin's wallet. It was like wrapped in like saran wrap stuff and like pieces of the raft and like a paddle floating about 200 yards from Angel Island. So they think that maybe the raft broke apart. And then they all had, they all drowned or got swept away in the current or died of hypothermia. And maybe their bodies were swept out to sea. Who knows? And they found a piece with like teeth marks on a tube. So they think that maybe the bellows didn't work and they had to blow the raft up manually. Mm -hmm. And like the raft just collapsed underneath them. That would leave them really out of breath if they did have to swim to shore. Right. I mean, they could probably make a 200-yard swim easy. But if you've used all your like oxygen and stuff and you're out of breath. Yeah. It may be kind of hard. And since their personal effects on them were literally all they had, I mean, John Anglin wouldn't leave his wallet behind on purpose. So right. they just kind of concluded they drowned. And about a month later, on July 17th, there was a boat that saw a body bobbing in the water and was pretty decomposed and like bleached from the sun. Sounds kind of gross. But they were wearing pants. They say were a standard, standard issue of Alcatraz inmates. Hmm. And five different coroners... They interviewed five different ones, said a body could float in the water for probably five or six weeks. And that like wouldn't be unusual for it to be, you know, kind mm-hmm. of not eaten by fishies. Yes, I guess. It just depends on the circumstances around right. it. Right. Mm-hmm. You'll either get eaten fast or not. I mean. Right. Yeah. Who knows? And about eight months after the escape, bones were found near Golden Gate Bridge, uh, near the place where they found the body bobbing in the water. And they did the pathology report on the bones and found they could match a man of Frank Morris's like heightened age, but they really couldn't be sure. Cause I mean, DNA technology wasn't super good and right. You know, it's still, they couldn't prove 100% for sure that it was him, but they mm-hmm. did. It did come from a male that was, you know, his age Around and height scene, and would kind of yeah. match him. However, some people think they made it and evidence to that side. And number one, they never found the bodies. I mean, that's the main right, thing. Not, not conclusively. Right. And then one investigator said they usually find two of three bodies that get lost in San Francisco Bay. So they have a pretty good recovery rate. And there were three inmates. So by that logic, they should have found two of them. Mm-hmm. Well, they may be found. Well, they may be found the body floating and the bones could be them. Who knows? But a few days after this escape there, while they were searching the base still, a man committed suicide jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. And like some of the search teams saw oh. it happen, like saw him jump. Mm-hmm. They never found his body, even though witnesses saw him they jump saw and it. went straight to it, you know. Mm-hmm. So they never fa- they never found him. So about one o'clock in the morning that night, there was a San Francisco police officer who saw an illegal boat in the bay, which I don't know why it's an illegal boat. Maybe it didn't have stickers on the side. Who knows? Mm-hmm. And it was speeding like it was going really like hauling ass toward Golden Gate Bridge. So he thinks maybe they could have had somebody pick them up or somehow they arranged for help on the outside for somebody to come and get them and yeah. like meet them at a rendezvous point, cruise the bay in case the sea is swimming. Um, and plus the Anglin brothers, again, they're used to cold water mm-hmm. from swimming so much up in Michigan in the winter and summertime. 
But also, I mean, they keep the water kind of warm, too, at Alcatraz, so inmates don't get used to cold water, so they can't get used to That's one way that they kind of keep them on the island and discourage them from from going anywhere. So they would know what to expect, though, like when hypothermia is going to set in, probably what to look for, like what to do when your body gets super cold. So they kind of have the advantage in this case. Yeah. And... Uh, the floating body and the bones that belonged to one of the men. Uh, they exhumed one of the England's brothers that had died and compared DNA at this point, And it was not a match. Ooh, okay. Which, again, I mean, t- DNA technology is not the greatest. But, I mean, no, but they had something to go off of to match it right. to. So mm-hmm. perhaps it was a little, a little better. A little better to go off of. And they tested it for one of Frank Morris's relatives and it didn't match him either. Okay. So. Right. So uh, the England's nephews uh, later produced a photo of two men in Brazil that was taken in about 1975. And they think it could be John and Clarence England because facial recognition and age progression tests and everything that they did on the photo Mm -hmm. come back that it was a really high probability that it could be them. Interesting. Right. And I mean, the nephews didn't produce this earlier because some people would ask, well, why didn't you say this when this happened? The family was so tired of the FBI and the police officers always Mm -hmm. coming at them. Like, did you hear anything? What do you know? And all this. So they basically felt harassed. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, you know what? We're not cooperating anymore. We don't know anything. We've told you, you know, whatever. So they, I mean, they just held on to it for a while. And they do look like, they do look like them a lot. And they would be the same age, and it just looked like they grew out the hair a little bit, and they had beards, like, very 70s now. Mm-hmm. They have that kind of look. Um, and they're standing next to this huge, like, termite mound, like like mm-hmm. Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park when oh, he's yeah, got the, the big, poop. like, dino poop. Like, it's yep. this huge, like, turn- termite mound. They're just sitting there chilling. <laughs> and um, there's one guy in Alcatraz who is convinced that they made it because he kind of helped them out and gave them some pointers and advice at the time. Guess who it was? Alan West? No, Whitey oh. Bulger. Really? Yeah, the mob boss. Huh. He thinks they got away with it because he was like telling them things they didn't think of, like how to navigate ocean currents, like mm-hmm. certain times of the year. You have to never contact your family again. Like here's like things that you have to do to make sure that you stay like free and they don't come after you. So he was giving them. In 2014, Whitey Bulger wrote a letter to Ken Widener or Widener. He's one of the nephews. And he wrote, and this is a quote from the letter. These brothers undoubtedly had done exactly what I told him to do. <laughs> so, but they might not have followed that rule exactly because their mother got a Christmas card um, before that was allegedly in the brother's handwriting and it arrived without postage. So they think that somebody put it in the mailbox. I and think that they made it. Right. One family member th- said he used to get phone calls, which is kind of breathing on the other end or like nobody would answer and then he'd hang up and he thinks it was them. Huh. Like just calling to hear somebody say hello. And in um, 2010, there was a relative of the Anglins that said he had been in contact with them off and on since 1987. So it's possibly that this relatives could have been the one that delivered the cards to the mailbox. So no, they didn't pay attention to what Whitey said to not contact no. the family. No, not completely. So in 2011, they actually did a study of ocean currents in the San Francisco Bay Mm -hmm. at this time. And they found that if they left that night about 1130 p.m., they had a very good chance of making it to Angel Island based on the ocean currents. Like they're still studying this in 2011. Wow. And remember how Whitey told them you need to use the ocean currents to your advantage. So like study up on those, figure out what they are. 
and like pick your time to go. So in December 1962, this was six months after their escape, an inmate broke out of Alcatraz and swam the entire way across the bay, and they found him under the Golden Gate Bridge. So you can swim it and still be alive. He had hypothermia really bad when he, like, got up on shore, and, like, Mm -hmm. people helped him out, obviously. And, of course, he was arrested and just taken right back to prison. (laughs) (laughs) But you can swim it. I mean, it's it's possible you can do it and survive. And he did it in December, and these guys did it in summer. So I, I'm trying to swim laps now at the pool. When I go to the pool, it is hard. Like just a tiny (laughs) little swimming pool. I'm not that much out of shape. Like I'm not great, but just swimming a couple laps. Like by the end, I'm like, Oh my God, how can you, how can you swim for like extended period of time against currents or with currents in the ocean when it's cold? That's crazy. You have to really want out of prison. Yeah, I guess I guess I'm just swimming in a pool, so I don't really have much motivation. <laughs> well, it'd probably be easier for you if you stole about 50 raincoats and stitched them together and created a makeshift bellows from this musical instrument <laughs> and just put it in the pool, try it out. I'd get right on that. <laughs> so finally, and this is one of the most compelling pieces of evidence so far, this was in 2013, there was a letter written to an FBI agent in San Francisco when the letter writer claimed to be John Anglin. And the letter read, in part, My name is John England. I escaped from Alcatraz in 1962 with my brother Clarence and Frank Morris. I'm 83 years old and in bad shape. I have cancer. Yes, we all made it that night, but barely. If you announce on TV that I will be promised to first go to jail for no more than a year and to get medical attention, I'll write back to you and let you know exactly where I am. This is no joke. Well, they didn't do it. I was going to say, what they do? Yeah, they didn't do it. According to the letter, uh, he said that Frank died in 2008 and um, John's brother, Clarence, died in 2011. So John so, is the yeah, last one standing okay. right it's now. It's like, well, you know, you escaped, you got out. You can't just come be like, all right, put me back in prison for a year for medical attention. Like, right. sorry, you got out. You're on your own now. <laughs> yeah. So the U.S. Marshals, which is the sole agency investigating the case today, because technically it is still an open case, and the Mm -hmm. FBI has turned everything over to them, um, they examined the letter for fingerprints and DNA and handwriting, all that stuff. Again, the results were inconclusive about the letter. So in 2018, and this was just last year, um, Christoph Putzel, who was a journalist and correspondent for Al Jazeera America, was investigating this escape. And he and two other men made their own makeshift raft, like the kind used by the Englands and Morris. And they determined that due to the shifting tide, it was plausible that the trio could have paddled to Agent uh, Agent Island. Oh. Angel I, Island. I think he said Asia. I'm like, There's a lot of oh FBI agents in this story. <laughs> they could have paddled to Angel Island. Without a degree of difficulty. Um, going to Asia probably would be a lot longer. I was like, oh my so, God, they went to Asia? Wow. <laughs> yeah, they went to Indonesia. <laughs> and remember how they planned to steal a car, but the FBI never got any reports or anything from it. Mm-hmm. Um, the FBI closed their case and handed it off to the U.S. Marshals in 1979. And the U.S. Marshals had in their files, maybe the FBI just missed it, that a blue 1955 Chevy pickup was reported stolen that night from near Angel Island. There was someone. Two weeks after the escape, a blue Chevy, a like 50s model Chevy pickup, was seen in Oklahoma with three men that matched the description of the escapees. And remember, this is all over the news, too, Mm because people just escaped from Alcatraz. 
and a blue 50 Chevy was spotted in Indiana, Ohio, South Carolina, and basically across the country. There's a trail of people reporting a blue 50s model Chevy pickup with three men that match this this description and sometimes they're driving kind of reckless they're running people off the road or they're kind of parked in the woods or like kind of parked places they're not supposed to be and just basically it's really suspicious Mm -hmm. so the u.s marshals apparently had a lot more evidence though than the fbi did like what happened they not share evidence i guess i have no idea like i guess it's either that or evidence Right. Either that or it's a case of like different agencies all wanting like their own piece of the pie instead of like putting it together for the collective case, you know, to solve the case. So the U.S. Marshals had a lot more evidence than the FBI did, which led some people to suspect that the FBI knew that they made it, like that they actually escaped. But they concluded that they drowned so they could like save face, basically, and still Mm -hmm. have like Alcatraz is still the rock. It's still unescapable. And then like B, hopefully it would put some pressure on the escapees that they, maybe they would relax and think, Oh, we got away with it. Cause they think we're dead. That's true. Maybe they would step up and do something dumb and like call themselves out. So this journalist goes to Brazil and he discovered there, there's a farm called the farm of the Americans is what they called it. And the people that owned or rented the farm were two American men. And they lived there from 1965 and well into the 70s. And he would um, show pictures around of like the England brothers and like, are these the guys? Like, are these the Americans that rented the farm? And people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's them. Oh, my gosh. He, fa- <laughs> he found the termite mound and like took a picture of the termite mound that they had their picture taken next to in 1975. And also in 1965, and this is just three years after the escape. The FBI got a tip that the, the the three men were sighted in Rio in Brazil, and the FBI sent people down to investigate it. And this was proved there was a declassified document given to J. Edgar Hoover about it. And I think I have a copy of this somewhere. So if the FBI were so insistent, though, that they drowned, why would they send somebody to Brazil to investigate it? Right. You, right. If, if they were you sure are that they so had drowned. Conv- yeah. yeah. If they all drowned in the bay, why are they still looking for them? This is what the family members would always say. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you still looking if you think that they're all dead? Right. So the U.S. Marshal's Office, they it's they still have active arrest warrants issued for the three. And they will be. And the, the case is going to remain open on all three escapees until their 100th birthdays. And then okay. the, the case will close. That's so, so cool. That's it. I think they made it. I think they made it too. I think there's more evidence that they made it than evidence that they drowned in the bay. Yeah. Right. And I kind of want them to make it too. And like earlier when I said, I'm way too excited for this. Like they're, they were all in jail for bank robbery, but like nonviolent. It's not like they went in there with a gun shooting into the ceiling. Everybody get down. It was kind of like, I have the fake gun, like in my shirt pocket. Right. They didn't kill anybody. It, It was, I mean, I think bank robbery might still be considered a violent crime. I'm not sure. But they didn't hurt anybody. They just stole some money from a bank and yeah. escaped prison a bunch of times. That's what landed them on Alcatraz is the fact that they were kept escaping prison from yeah. their bank robbery charge. <laughs> yeah, I might feel a little differently if it had been like murder, murder. or rape yeah. charge or something. But no bank robbery. No, I'm kind of I kind of hope they made it just because I think it's really cool. It's kind of like when you hear stories, and this is so bad, but like when you hear stories about people that steal like 50 inch smart TVs from Walmart, I'm like, how do you just, if you're brazen enough to just walk out the door with a big TV, like keep it. (laughs) You deserve it. it. (laughs) I'm like, if you guys are going to like create this whole big thing or whatever, I'm like, you know what? Just go on, live in South America. Just don't come back to America or whatnot. Stand next to your termite mound. 
Yeah. Right Don't your stick farm. your hand in it. That's probably that probably sucks. That's cool. That was a cool story. So that were that were the uh, Battle of Alcatraz and the escape attempts over the, the years, Alcatraz. It, the escape was definitely a lot better planned than the the oh, Battle yeah. of Alcatraz. Like, yeah, that just seemed like all right. We're gonna get our guns. We're gonna get our grenades, and we're gonna get out of here. Like, I wonder if like Frank Morris and Bernard Coy like met each other because they were both like super geniuses. One's like a regular genius, I guess, and I guess one's kind of a super villain. Like, <laughs> could you imagine though if they just got together and they could plan one together? Oh, it would. It would probably. probably they would probably create sure. some kind of secret underground tunnel or something that goes under San Francisco Bay, and people just walk out of it. And then people would probably just disappear from Alcatraz, and it would be some big mystery. Like, why are people disappearing? Are you abducted by aliens? What's going on? It's supposed to be a pretty haunted place. I think it is. I think they have like and actually. I will have a side note episode Yay! talking about some of the ghosts of Alcatraz. Side note episode. Woo-hoo. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye out for that one because Alcatraz has so many more stories to tell. So, okay. So we'll have a side note that we'll release the week after this. And this is really cool, too. I'm really excited about this. This is a bunch of little stories, the side note is. And I just, I'm so interested in them all. And D-Block is like the place that I want to go. Like to Alcatraz first take me directly to d-block please so thanks for listening I hope you enjoy the escape stories if you're imprisoning if you're imprisoning (laughs) my god almighty why (laughs) why (laughs) oh Dana I was gonna say if you're in prison today don't try to escape but okay if you're in prison and you're listening to us Thanks. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on what you did, but cool. <laughs> this is a weird part. This is weird. Stay tuned for our side note episode about more stories from Alcatraz. Yep. A lot of them deal with the um, kind of how life was like, some rules and regulations, and a lot of ghost stories Ghosties. from Alcatraz. And this will come out um, the week after this um uh, episode releases so the next wednesday after this be on the lookout for email us at darker side of life podcast at gmail.com find us on instagram darker side of life podcast and find us on twitter at at d-o-s-l podcast and shoot us your stories and let us know what you're thinking um if you have a prison escape story please tell us we would oh, that very would be much awesome. like to hear we will keep you anonymous if we have to <laughs> And listen next week for our Alcatraz side note episode. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. honest don't kill people